Blog Talk Radio. And the song didn't start again, even though I clicked for the song to start. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. to daylight variety show week five um still having trouble with getting my music to play at the start of the show i said it again today to make sure it would and it still didn't go so um anyway uh we'll, we'll get it figured out um i'm in a little bit of a goofy mood it's been a strange week uh so i'm glad to be here with everyone and we have all our segments that we normally do on a saturday night but we thought we would try doing it on a friday night to see if maybe we could get some more listeners so we're going to see how it goes whether people like friday or saturday going forward let us know on twitter if you uh, have an opinion we we do get people who listen so i i know you're out there anyway uh, first segment, as always, is uh, my buddy Salito, and we'll get him in here in a second, right after this. to make a song about you before you were basically born. Well, they, they, they heard the rumors. They knew I was coming. And I got to tell you, Todd, it's good to be back live because I haven't gotten to hear that song as an intro for the last couple episodes. And I was dancing out of here in my, in my, uh, in my basement listening to that. So pretty awesome. I love that. It's such a how do you How could you not be happy and in a good mood when you hear that song? Yep, especially when it's named after you, or or is that Lido, <laughs> or, or Lido. So, um, glad to have you back live, Sal. Last week, you were uh, missing in action uh, as far as being live due to work commitments, and uh, I'm glad to see you got that under control this week. Yeah, no extra money this week. It was pretty uh, pretty cool. I was actually on my way home from work right at 9 o'clock. I was able to flip the show on and listen to it. On my ride home, so the, the, I got to listen to myself live recorded. Now, I'm really curious about something about your work because you texted me and apologized because you were late getting me the subjects you wanted to cover because you had a dough inspection all week. Yeah. Um, been prepping for a dough inspection all week. Uh, do you work with Homer Simpson? Yes, 
Hansen, uh, meaning I get little to no help. But uh, no, uh, don't break it down, I guess would stand for Department of Health inspection. But uh, I can appreciate <laughs> your your logic when I texted that to you. Oh, it's, it's D-O-H. It isn't dough. <laughs> no, no, but now I'm hungry because you brought up dough. So. <laughs> mm, we should talk about Buffalo. Donuts. <laughs> My favorite, though, is uh, they said, we're going to uh, Buffalo. Wait, you know, he said something about Buffalo. He goes, <laughs> Buffalo. And a big picture <laughs> of a wing showed up in his head. Uh, speaking of uh, dreams, the Seahawks have a dream rushing matchup with the Rams, who are the worst in the league at defending running back, Sal. But I don't know that any of us have any idea who to use at running back for the Seahawks with Chris Carson out. Yeah, I'm pretty sad because I was able to scoop Chris Carson up pretty cheap in, in a big one of Scott Fish's capitalist pig dynasty leagues. I was all excited. Look at a starter running back I got for free. And uh, the first week I started him, he's done for the season. Outstanding. So, Lacey was, has been active, and Lacey got in there last week when, when Carson was injured. But uh, while he did look okay, now we hear Rawls will be activated. And we've seen a lot of this lately in the NFL where the guy who's actually the, the, the projected backup, he doesn't dress from week to week. They save him for when the other guy is injured. That's been going on for the last couple of years. It sounds to me like it's going to be Rawls. Uh, I have them in different places. I'll probably have to use both just to test the waters this week. But uh, – I don't know if I could put either guy like this in a DFS lineup. I mean, chances are one of them are going to have a big game. Uh, the, the Rams are just flat out terrible in defending running backs, dead last in the league. So, you know, if you want to get a little tricky and put them in there, let's see, seven touchdowns total already to running backs through four weeks and almost 600 yards rushing on the ground. I mean, I may be forced to go out of my comfortability level, Todd, and put one of them in there. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk about that. But you mentioned, you know, Scott Fish and some of the interesting leagues. Is the one you're in a 16-teamer? Pig League is actually a 56-team league. And what that is is uh, separate 14-team fourteen team divisions. Does the math work out if you do that? Um, and it's four copies of each player. And uh, it's, it's pretty intense. You, you can own the same player in the same division as one of your other owners. Uh, but but um, it, it, gets, it gets pretty difficult, on, especially on bye weeks, like, like this week coming up when I have a lot of guys out. But, uh, yeah, Scott does all kinds of wacky scoring and, and tight end premiums. And <laughs> he really does. Carry and, and he makes it a lot of fun. So I've met a ton of people through that league, um, people you've had on this show. Um, it's 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 a great Scott's great at getting the industry together. Yep, I I joined one this year. He had a dropout. It's called Koth Two, and I ended up in the superheroes division. It's sixteen teams. You want to guess what place I'm in it out of sixteen? Uh, well, I'm in both Koth One and Koth Two now. I don't think we're in the same division, but uh, I'm going to say because you, my man are doing really well at, at MFL Tennessee. I'm going to say that you're in first place. As a matter of fact, I am in first place. Hold on. Do I have applause uh, that I can play to really just kind of make myself feel better about life? 
Okay, I guess <laughs> that's what it, I get Todd, for that's what I that's what I get for having a big ego. So, uh, yeah, I am in first place. Uh, I got a fifty point league, and it's one of those leagues where you can move up uh, if if you end up in the top three or four, and there's money. I think if you end up in the top one, so. Uh, it would be nice. Uh, it would be nice to uh, win and to move up. Anyway, back to the, the the mess that is the Seattle Seahawks backfield. I'm going to play Eddie Lacy or Thomas Rawls in one to two leagues, and this is how I'm going to do it, Sal. I'm going to put Rawls in at 3,700 with a defense, and or Lacy at 3,400 with a defense, but leave enough money to where I can drop down to another defense, you know, so if it looks like the the news is better for Lacey than Rawls, if one of them gets uh, left off, um, you know, so that's what I'm going to do. And me, and if I don't hear any news, maybe I'll just play one of each lineup, but it, it, you know, I avoided for the most part stack cuffing, which is my strategy of drafting multiple running backs that are values in the same MFL 10 uh, because there was more than two people. So I I took some odd shots here and there on the Seahawks and MFL 10s. And it's just frustrating because on a week where we would love to have some value where there really isn't any at running back, one of these guys could be a GPP winner if you get it right. Absolutely. That's the, this is the type of thing that wins you the big cash. Let's hope that next time they come around to play them uh, later in the year, they'll have it kind of figured out. Yeah, um, I'm going to wait for the Mauler segment to give my uh, value play of the week at running back the guy who I think has a chance to win some GPPs. But, uh, but Lacey and Rawl certainly have that opportunity as well. Um, after giving up a big game, in week one to Leonard Fournette, the shut, the Texans have shut down all other running backs. I don't, I wonder, Sal, you know, Kareem Hunt has just been amazing. Do you fade Kareem Hunt this week? Talking standard, uh, standard redraft football leagues or dynasty uh, fantasy football leagues, you're going to put Kareem Hunt in every week, right? Because he has that a possibility to break out at any given time. But uh, we're talking DFS. I, I think that there's going to probably be low ownership on him this week. So uh, maybe I slip him into one. Here's what I think with Kareem. He just looks special, right? He has that ability at any time to just break the big one. And it looks like it happens in the second half. He looks like he slowly builds. And then in the second half, he wears down these defenses and he, and he makes a big run. So I'm not fading him too much, but I am tempering my enthusiasm as to what uh, big totals you could put up for me this week. It looks like over the last three weeks, and they faced mostly committees the last three weeks in, in Cincinnati, New England, and Tennessee. I do not see a running back that went over 31 rushing yards, or should say 36 rushing yards out of any one of those three teams in the last three weeks. And no one has got over 16 receiving yards uh, at a running back. So they really have been stout against the run the last three weeks. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, I hope that Hunt has a good week because a lot of my best ball success is due to Kareem Hunt and um, and also Todd Gurley. So uh, between 
Gurley against Seattle, even though that isn't necessarily the bad matchup you would think it is, and Hunt against the Texans. I'm praying that my um, ROI that I'm pretty happy with in best ball right now does not go down the toilet. Um, I'm not playing the slate uh, that the Chiefs are on, um, or am I? No, I'm not. Uh not I, I don't think that I'm going to. What when do they play? They play Monday night, right? Or Sunday uh, Monday night. night is the Vikings and the Bears. Yeah. All right. So they must be on Sunday night. Uh because I know I haven't been looking at them. But uh definitely gonna start them in all the redraft leagues that I have them in. Uh you, you just never sit your studs. Um what I was gonna say about Hunt that I think makes him special is even though he isn't the biggest guy, he seems to have the ability to bounce off of the first tackler. Have you noticed that? Yeah, he definitely does not go down on first touch. He's he's managed to keep runs alive. And, again, I, I was talking on the Flop Miles podcast the other night. He just has that, that feel of, of what uh, Priest Holmes had when he was there in Kansas City and with Jamal Charles and his person. It just looks like he's come right in, stepped right into the role of those guys. And he just looks very similar to them. He he really can do everything. And uh, I know he wasn't projected to be that type of back coming into the NFL, but these guys are still young and they develop. And I just say never doubt him. They, early on, he's, he's taught me to never doubt him. Well, the opposite of a good run defense the last couple of weeks has been the Jaguars. Um, they're great against the pass, giving up the fewest receptions, yards, and touchdown to wide receivers. Um, Le'Veon Bell is in a smash spot. So do you plan on being heavy on Le'Veon, Brown, uh, Le'Veon Bell, or is Antonio Brown an interesting play because he likely will have a low ownership? I think that it's it's such a good matchup for Bell and after seeing the the 40 plus touches that he got combined last week even for the value even for the cost that he's going to that he's going to cost you and and for the percentage of ownership I think you have to put Bell in your lineups he's in a lot of my lineups already and listening around to the other DFS shows this week and reading some of the articles everybody is high on him this week I think you'd be hurting yourself by not putting him in there. Now, Antonio Brown is, is another question. It's Antonio Brown. So, again, same thing goes for season-long fantasy football. You put him in every week because, you know, likely you don't have a guy that's, good, that's up to that capabilities unless you're playing in a five-team league. But they have shut down the pass. The wide receivers, after giving up a touchdown in week one to DeAndre Hopkins, no other wide receiver has scored a touchdown the last three weeks. And, again, not the best group of wide receivers, Tennessee, Baltimore, and the Jets, but they've held everybody to 43 yards or less. I'm sorry, Robbie Anderson broke out for 59 last week. So it's Antonio Brown. He is matchup proof, but Jalen Ramsey is starting to become the type of guy who can shut down anybody. Very impressive young man, um, not necessarily in personality and attitude, but his football skill is second to none. So I think based on the low ownership, and the fact that Brown can bust out at any time, he's definitely going to slip into one or two lineups just because of the, the possibility of, of him being a big winner for you this week. Yeah, I, ha- I have a little bit in my mix, uh, but 
I got to tell you, this has been a very, and I'll, again, I'll talk more about this with the Mauler uh, on the DFS, the full DFS segment, but um, this has been a, I don't know if it's, you know, uh, uh, the, the early burnout that I'm getting, you know, it, it gets to be a bit of a grind and life ha- <clears throat> has been filled with challenges this week too, but I really don't have a great feel for this week. And and a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that DraftKings pricing has gotten so efficient this year. Yeah, I noticed they're starting to write themselves on a couple of players too. Guys that were very affordable for a while. They're like Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has you know, climbed up now where he's, and Zach Ertz is a guy who's proven that you can put him in there every week and you need to get results. He, he's the, he's the focal point of that pass offense, but yeah. It's 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 tricky. You got to definitely try to find the values and, and make the smart plays and differentiate yourself from all the other shops that are out there. Uh, last night was expected to be a high-scoring affair between New England and Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston was the darling of many in the fantasy community uh, coming into the season. He was a guy that I pretty much wasn't drafting much in best balls unless I wanted to stack him with Mike Evans. Uh, what do you think uh, of Jameis's performance so far this year? Pretty disappointing, huh? Yeah, he's a very up-and-down player. And I'll tell you the one thing that's been good is he, he has a tendency to turn the ball over in the past, and you haven't seen that much in the last two weeks. Um, I do a, week, a weekly sink or swim article for the flop, uh, for flophouse.com, which is basically like the guys who – be best for your lineup and not good for your lineup or start sit maybe if you want to say and Winston was my quarterback this week he was the guy who was telling you to get in there because of how bad New England has played they've given up big passing yardage to every every team that has played them and again they gave up 300 yards last night but only the one touchdown um he expected more he seems rushed at times he, he had that pass to OJ Howard um you know right at the goal line it just seemed rushed Howard wasn't turned around yet uh, he's still young, and he still makes a lot of young mistakes. So he has definitely not made the leap to the upper echelon. The, he's not even really right below the elite guys right now. He's really a, a low-end, borderline QB1, and really maybe a, a, uh, a look in the rankings to see who he's playing against type of starter on a weekly basis. Yeah, during most of the offseason, he was going around after Russell Wilson, maybe a round and a half. So uh, I was either paying up for mostly Wilson, but Brady, Cam Newton was in the same area as him. Kirk Cousins was in the the same area as him. And him and Marcus Mariota, I both felt that people wanted them to take that next step more than it seemed to make sense that they would. Um, I felt like Winston, because of the turnovers you mentioned, if they got a lead, they weren't going to put him in positions to to make turnovers. And Mariota, that's a team that would prefer to run the ball than pass the ball, even though they got him some weapons. Um, I think I have, out of 120, 50 best balls on MFL 10. I have seven wind spins and three Mariotas versus 13 Cousins and 27 Russell Wilson. So that's kind of how I broke out that area this year. And I'm hoping that Russell Wilson can do what he's done 
the last couple years and really pick it up as the season goes along. Yeah, Wilson's been good the last two weeks, but I'm I'm the same as you. I was not a Winston or a Mariota guy. I was very low on Mariota. And, you know, he gets it done with his legs and the rushing touchdowns, which make, which make his numbers look good, but he has not been a very good passing quarterback this year. And now he's got the hamstring injury. Does he become labeled an injury-prone guy? And, and like you said, they got two running backs there that could be running back ones, and, and they want to get those guys involved. So, Definitely both of those guys are uh, a tick down and then probably ranked somewhere in the mid to lower teens right now for me as far as guys I count on a weekly basis. Yeah, of the young guys in that range, I was definitely higher on Cousins and Derek Carr uh, over the other two. It looked, it was good news, Sal. We'll finish up with this. It was good news that, you know, that was a pretty serious looking injury. They said two to six weeks, and, and the doc will talk about it some on his segment. But um, De- uh, Derek Carr practiced today. I know. As a, as a Raider fan, I'm ecstatic, and he's questionable for the game. I don't think that they're expecting him to play, but I think what it does mean is he'll be back next week. And, and uh, we talked about this the other night on my show. Tony Romo came back after a week with the same injury. Cam Newton came back after a week with the same injury. Uh, Carr's a young guy, so I was expecting or hoping for the low end of the estimate, and it looks like we're going to get it. Speaking of uh, sketchy play so far, Sal, uh, I just want to give you condolences on Amari Cooper. That's not nice, Todd. (laughs) And I got a lot of people offering to take him off my hands. Hey, I'm a Giants fan. We're 0-4, so... You know, it's not like oh, I don't have the misery. I expect them to get right this week. I expect them to uh, to win against the Chargers. So, 0-4 yeah, and 0-4, and I'll take the team who's not traveling to the other side of the country. All right. That's going to do it. Sal, thank you, as always, for help leading off the uh, variety show. And uh, good luck with your teams this week. Thank you. Same to you, Todd. Everybody, enjoy your football Sunday. Awesome. That was Sal Lido, everyone. And he is hitting the road, which means it's time for the mauler. excited like talking fantasy football so i'm here and i'm rearing to go i love i love guys who play through pain <laughs> well and, and when I you don't... got the name the mauler you can't like say i got a head cold i can't make it today yeah no no i'm hoping to have you know a, a jordan type flu game here on sunday maybe bring home all the big bucks so i'm ready to go uh it keeps me busy <laughs> That would be awesome, Mauler. Let, let's start you off with the uh, the quarterback position. Who's your high, middle to low, and contrarian play at the quarterback position? Well, um, high, you know, Brady has already played, and, uh, um, you know, other quarterbacks are down. So I'm liking Rodgers. You know, he's the top price guy, 8,100. But 
You know, he averages uh, almost uh, a point and a half more than the next closest guy, Russell Wilson, and I think it's going to be a little shootout in Dallas. So I'm going Rodgers up top. Um, and then my, my other two guys that are like are, are both kind of lower pro, uh, price guys, but I know you're a Giants fan, and Eli's been picking it up. And I really do like Eli this week at 6,100. And then uh, right below him at 5,900. If you look, Carson Palmer has been very steady, even though the Cardinals have been, you know, kind of terrible. Uh, Palmer's gone over 300 yards, a uh, couple touchdowns. So I, I, I think his consistency down at 5,900 is, is cool. So I like Manning at 6,100 and then Palmer down at 5,900 as my low-end guy. And uh, do you have a contrarian guy? Well, I guess uh, – I guess if you're looking to go contrarian, I would go Jacoby Brissett, um, as we did a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he can get in the end zone throwing it or with his legs. So I think uh, home game against San Francisco, um, you know, he's he's been running the offense a couple weeks now. I think, uh, you know, taking him as a lone guy is a good option this week. Yep. For me um... – on the high end, Rogers is the no brainer. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how, how much exposure do I want to give a quarterback? He's looking at somewhere between 13 and 20% ownership up with 13 to 15, probably being the sweet spot. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, and he is on the road. Uh, a lot of people are on deck and, you know, I, I just, I, I had a lot of Dak last week, so maybe it's the, the misery talking. But because there's just so few running backs we can trust this week that are even medium-priced, I've got a lot of guys uh, in the lower range. And I'll be mixing them up and hoping that one of them gets me the 20-point week. I, I think Brian Hoyer is going to be my number one-owned guy 4700 is so cheap. Indy's not a good team. I, I really think this is the week that we see Hoyer to Garcon get going. Um, I do have Jacoby Brissett also uh, down there. I'll probably play a little Kaiser and even a little EJ Manuel with Cooper since no one's going to be on Cooper. Uh, but my uh, contrarian guy is Josh McCown. Cleveland has been awful just awful. And especially with the tight end, McCown's $4,500. And yeah, the Jets would rather run, but I think this is a game where, you know, if he gets you 15 to 20 points, you're at four times, five times his salary, and it opens up a lot of other things. And he's not going to have a high ownership. So Josh McCown is my contrarian play. What do you think of that, Mauler? Yeah, I've been picking with people that have been um, talking about Josh McCown all week, and uh, the thing is, is I don't don't mind it at all. I think, like you said, it's a it's a good play. The price is almost unbeatable, and you know, pairing them with uh, Austin Safari and Jenkins, like uh, Jenkins, like most people have been talking about this week, looks like the way to go. So, uh, can't complain about that idea at all. Cleveland's been terrible against the tight end. All right, let's move on to running back. Well, I think uh, Le'Veon's going to be the chalk play, of course, and I like him. But uh, I think Gurley will be the sneaky play 
up top, um, you know, everybody thinks, and, you know, for good reason about Seattle's defense is, is, is top. But um, Gurley's showing that, you know, he's almost matchup proof with, with the ability to catch the ball this year. So I think Gurley's a sneaky play, uh, lower owned than the other guys up top at eight grand. Um, I'm on Blau Powell again this week. I told you last week I liked him. Um, you know, I got lucky with the 75-yard run where he didn't get touched. But uh, I think against Cleveland, it's going to be kind of a close game, and uh, they're going to try to rely on the run, like you said. And I like Powell there because he's also a you know, pass-catching machine. Um, my contrarian low-owned guy, a lot of people are going to be on the Green Bay backs. I'm thinking Montgomery's out. I like uh, Gallman. For the Giants, I think they're looking to maybe get him in as the full-time back, and I think this could be a week where he could really shine. So uh, I, I went and picked him up as many season-long leagues as I can, and I would love the price of fifteen hundred. So Gallman um, for the Giants is my low-owned, uh, you know, crazy pick at running back. Yeah, I I really have gone back and forth and. You know, originally I was going to, for GPP, try and be underweight on Bell, Gurley, and Elliott. Right now I'm overweight on Bell and Gurley and underweight on Elliott. Um, Melvin Gordon isn't going to be as sneaky as a lot of people think because of his 6000 salary, and I've heard of him on pretty much every pod I've listened to so far. Uh, the one guy I have not heard, is LaShawn McCoy, and he's going to be my contrarian play. Uh, you know, he is a, a getting the pass game work, and, you know, with Jordan Matthews out, it's Clay and McCoy, really, that they're going to be throwing the ball to. So I think McCoy is the sneaky one. Uh, and on the low end, boy, there's no one I really love. Andre Ellington is probably the best choice, again, in a PPR. He's getting six, seven passes a game, and he's proven to be the best option. And uh, it's a game where they're probably going to have to pass because Philly's a funnel defense. And lastly, I'll throw out the name Gio Bernard. Everyone keeps trying to make mix in something that I don't know that he is. And Bernard's quietly been the best back. I'll throw in 10 to 15% of Bernard and hope. What do you got at uh, wide receiver, Mueller? Well, um, you know, if it wasn't for Antonio Brown uh, going off last week, I probably wouldn't have him as my top receiver. But I think they're going to force feed him the ball a little bit this week with uh, a game against Jacksonville. So I'll take him up top after the outburst last week. Um, I love Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, uh, both Packers. Cobb is the cheaper of the two, but I think, um, you know, after the hit on Adams last week, these guys will, you know, take in a few extra uh, targets this week, so I think they're safely uh, in play. I really like Larry Fitzgerald at 6,800. Um, really, really like Devontae Parker at 6,600. And then my value plays, lone guys, um, maybe Dante Moncrief, uh, I kind of feel um, on the receiver position like you feel on the running back position. I'd, I'd kind of like to stay 6000 and above, but if I am looking low price, maybe Dante Moncrief down there at 3900 to get in the end zone um, for a second straight week. And he would be my 
you know, a low-owned contrarian pick as well. Uh, love it. My my, you know, I don't have a high-end guy this week. I'm I'm gonna bite the bullet and just you know deal with these mid-range guys. There's a lot of them I like. I like Cobb. I like uh, Dez. I like. I already mentioned that I really like Garcon. Uh, but the guy that I'm probably going to have the most of is T.Y. Hilton, $6,000 against San Francisco at home on the turf. He has huge home road splits. Um, I've got him right now penciled in somewhere between 35 and 40% unless something changes. And I'm going to go in that game for my contrarian play someone that I haven't heard mentioned, but Trent Taylor of the 49ers, you know, Goodwin is hurt. People want to play Aldrick Robinson, um, but, you know, he's gotten 9.7 and 12.2 the last two weeks. Not going to have a lot of them, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was on the Millie Maker winning lineup this week. Uh, On to tight end. Well, um, tight end's the same for me that it's been the past few weeks up top, and that's Zach Ertz. I mean, he's been so consistent and getting so many targets, and, you know, with no Kelsey and Gronk already, well, playing but not playing, uh, Ertz is the main target up top at 6,200. Like you mentioned, uh, Clay is one of the top targets in Buffalo with all the injuries, so I'll take him at 4,800. And, uh I mentioned uh, ASJ, Austin Safarian Jenkins, 3,500. I think he's a good uh, play for salary relief if you want to play him at 3,500. Credit, you know, Al Zeidenfeld, I was listening to their podcast today. He talks about the flow chart. You know, uh, who's playing Cleveland at tight end? Okay, I'm playing him. So, yeah, ASJ. Uh, who's playing the Giants? Well, that gets a little more hairy because you've got Hunter Henry and Gates. But last week, um, Howard and Brait went off for touchdowns, each one of them. So uh, Ertz I have up top, Engram and ASJ in that lower range. And my contrarian guy, as it, as it relates to going deep on, is Hunter Henry uh, I think he is a really talented tight end, and hopefully the Chargers are smart enough against a good giant defense that actually have the corners to stop Keenan Allen. Uh, I think Hunter Henry, this could be the breakout week, so I've got him penciled in for good ownership. And I'll also say where I normally hate having tight ends in the flex, I think this definitely is a tight end in the flex week. On to defense. Well, the defense I'm going to have most on this week is uh, the Ravens. Um, unless somehow Carr does play, um, then I'll pivot off of them and won't have as much. But I do like them against EJ Manuel. Um, I know they stunk over in England and haven't been the Ravens of old, but I'll take my chances at 2,900. Um, I don't mind paying up for the Steelers at home against Jacksonville. Uh, I think Bortles is due for a huge turnover game. Um, and I wouldn't mind paying for the Steelers up top. Um, you know, if you move down 
you can pit either the Jets or the Browns against each other. They're both $3,000 more than the Ravens that I mentioned. But, you know, uh, both offenses are terrible. Both offenses can turn it over. And uh, like you said, the flow chart, um, go take a look at the Titans. They gave a huge, up a huge amount of points to the Texans last week. But Jay Cutler's a pick six machine, and they're also three grand. So pay up for the Steelers or, you know, look at those guys that are 3000 2900 this week. Yeah, I'm not paying up at most weeks. Definitely not this week. Um, I think Philadelphia is – I thought they would be the chalk. And maybe they're not, but at 3,100, Carson Palmer is talk about pick six machines. He can throw for 300 yards. He might get three touchdowns this week, but he might throw two to three interceptions also. And their offensive line is pitiful and Philadelphia has a good front seven. So I could see, you know, half the drives in this game for Arizona leading to a, a lot of points and the other half, leading to a lot of points for the Philly defense. I really like the Ravens call. I'm surprised I haven't heard more people on that. Um, I'm going to be on the Detroit defense every week for a certain amount of ownership until they stop scoring double digits every game. But so far they've scored double digits in every game. And so I'm going to have some of them. And then you mentioned the Jets. I think that they're a good call. And I think the other uh, defense in that Oakland-Baltimore game, there's something wrong with Joe Flacco. And, the, you know, Oakland at home at 2,900, I, I, you know, I think that's a pretty good defense. So that's what we got for this week, Mauler. Any final thoughts? No, I, I, I think the comment that you just made about something wrong uh, with Flacco is spot on. Um, the back injury just isn't right, and it's costing him turnovers. Um, I think he has, what, f- uh, five or six interceptions so far? Just just not like him. You know, he's usually just a, a very, very, um, you know, methodical, turnover-free quarterback, and this is totally the opposite right now. So spot on on that. And, you know, I think, uh, as always, our, our picks, uh, you know, kind of take care of each other. I loved Hunter Henry, but – for some reason, I just had that ESG that uh, you were going to mention him, so I didn't mention him. And as always, uh, you make us both look good, so I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> well, you're too kind, Mauler. Uh, really enjoying working with you again on this uh, project, and uh, great job, and good luck with your games this week. Yeah, let's make some money and uh, you know keep helping out the people that listen with uh, the good picks that we've been giving them. So take care, and uh, good luck this weekend. All right. All right, everyone. That was the Motown Mauler. Up next is the segment with the doc. Um, so we'll get his music going and then I'll play his segment. And, uh, and then after that, I'll be back. Hopefully I'm pretty sure with the coach. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Jeffrey Budoff. Doc, how you doing this week? Living the dream, Todd. How are you? Every time I talk to you, you're living the dream. I need some of that dream. <laughs> Come share it. Yeah, the water is fine. Come on in. <laughs> 
So uh, I'm going to start with a guy that we've discussed a couple times, and you, you really nailed it, uh, and it's Andrew Luck. And now we're starting to hear everything that you said, that he is going to need three or four weeks to get ready. Uh, but there was some other news that was interesting about the type of uh, rotator injury that he had. Uh, or, or maybe I got the, the part wrong of the shoulder. Why don't you uh, detail a little bit about what came out and your thoughts on it? Well, he stated yesterday it was a posterior label repair. Now, that means the back of the shoulder, not the front of the shoulder, where the vast majority of throwers get their problem. Now, post, in the back of the shoulder, that gets messed up usually by offensive or defensive linemen who have another 300-pound guy charging at them, they throw their hands out in front of them, and they deliver a blow, and the force gets transmitted to the back of the shoulder. Uh, He must have fallen on it wrong, but, you know, quarterbacks often have a problem with the front of the shoulder, which is stressed by throwing. Now, because he plays quarterback and not offensive line, he should actually get back quicker compared to a – anterior labor repair. He said, well, it's posterior and they heal slower, and that's not quite true for a quarterback. So now I'm a little bit more concerned. You know, you wonder, was it over-tightened, meaning that, you know, it's tough to get things just perfect. You don't want to leave it too loose, so maybe it's too tight, and that puts a little bit of stress on the front of the shoulder where maybe there was a little bit of subluxation or instability that wasn't enough to fix, but now it's becoming more prevalent. Um, he may need to, more time to stretch out the back of the shoulder, which is not that easy once it's over-tightened. He could have our, a little bit of arthritis, as we discussed previously. You know, they say that it'll be a few weeks of practice before he's back, but the velocity, meaning the zip on his throws right now, is less than Scott Tolzheim, which is concerning. And Brissett, who's starting currently, yeah, and the I, other guy. Walker. I mean, I think I throw harder than Scott Tolzien. Yeah, that's concerning. So uh, I, I don't know how he's going to do when he comes back. This will be, this is, you know, the plot thickens continually here. Yeah, it seems like um, you, you have some concern for him over the long term based on this. Yeah, well, there's something going on. This is taking longer than it should especially for a posterior label repair and a thrower. So something's not quite the way they want it to be. And, uh, you know, it remains to be seen, but he may not be back to 100% for quite some time. Yep, that's concerning news, especially if you own him in a dynasty league like I do. Um, Let's move on to the next injury. Derek Carr um, had a traverse back injury. If, if my memory is correct, that's the same thing that Tony Romo had a while back. Um, you know, what's the outlook on this type of injury? Because we're already starting to hear that he's recovering quicker. Uh, is You know, how long do you anticipate him being out, and what's the chance of a re-injury on this type of back injury? Well, he has a transverse process fracture in his lower back or his lumbar spine. They reported two to six weeks, but it's not going to be that long. He's already in limited practice. Tony Romo and Cam Newton both had it in 2014. They both missed a week. And I, I'm blanking on the name, Todd. Who won the Super Bowl for the Giants back in 1990, the quarterback who played in the flak jacket? Jeff Hostetler. Yes, and he had the same thing and won a Super Bowl in a flak jacket. He didn't even miss much time. 
So you can play with this. Obviously, it's not going to be as mobile, able to twist and turn as much. But um, he should be able to come back. He'll miss this week. I think he, it's very reasonable that he comes back next week. You know, he could always take a bad hit or twist it wrong, and that could put him in more back spasm and take him out of the game early. But, uh, you know, I, I expect that he has a very good chance of playing next week. That's uh, that's good news, uh, especially if you have Amari Cooper or Michael Crabtree shares this year. I definitely have some car in best ball, so it would be nice to get him back. Um, Corey Davis has been ruled out already this week with his hammy, and his quarterback Marcus Mariota also has a hammy injury. Can you go over some of the difficulties of predicting when athletes will be back from hammy injuries? And based on the information we have, when do you expect to see either of these guys back? Well, hamstring injuries are a serious problem, especially for speed performers such as running backs, especially the scat backs and wide receivers. Not as much for quarterback, although obviously a running quarterback like Mariota would be hampered by it. You know, these are the number one injury for recurrence. So especially if you don't rest them long enough. So there, you know, Mike Malarkey said we're trying to get them past this so we're not dealing with this in November. And they're being cautious. Now, when you get ruled out real early in the week, obviously that's not a good thing. There's been no reported setback. So either it was a bad injury to start or they're just being really cautious. Um, I'm not sure which one it is, but, you know, the hamstring injuries are, again, very hard to predict, especially for wide receivers. You know, they're different classifications, I could tell you, but they, they, they really don't help that much. And you just got to see how his individual hamstring recovers. He was ruled out so early. I'm not sure he's going to be back next week either. But Marcus Mariota, was, he had an MRI. It was, he said it's mild, it's day-to-day. He practiced limited Wednesday and Thursday. My gut is they'll probably sit him this week, but I would not be shocked if he played. Yeah, I uh, that that is one of the pivots of the week. Basically, um, he's in a great matchup. His receivers are in a great matchup on a week where we're looking for in daily fantasy salary relief. So if Mariota is playing, um, it puts Rashard and a few other players like Delaney Walker squarely in my sights. Um, but uh, then there's always the worry if he's announced playing that, you know, if he takes off on his first run and tweaks it, that uh, you, you could get be right back to Matt Castle in the sand. Yeah, you know, uh, the number one injury, the injury with the number one highest rate of recurrence. So they're, they're, they're tricky, there's no doubt. Absolutely. Um and and with Corey Davis being re- ruled out so early in the week, it would be shocking if he was back uh, next week, correct? I think he'll probably miss next week. All right. Let's move on to our last player we're going to cover this week, with it, which is Latavius Murray, or as I like to call him, Litigious Murray, because I feel like I need a lawyer every time I uh, roster him. Um, he is going into part of the Dalvin Cook role, and he's cheap on uh, Daily Fantasy, and a lot of people spent a lot of their free agent bid bucks on him this week. 
but he he shocked people by saying that he's still not recovered from the ankle injury that he suffered last year. What are your thoughts on Murray and his ability to hold up the rest of the year? Well, he fractured that ankle in 2014 and missed the rest of the season. Um, Injured it again the second half of last year, but didn't miss any time. Basically, he had surgery in March. This is minor, by which I take it they mean arthroscopic surgery to clean up bone chips. Now, this is almost certainly from his previous ankle fracture, meaning he damaged the cartilage when he fractured it. So he had some early arthritis of that ankle. And it's taken him longer than expected to return, which is how Dalvin Cook took over that role when he was missing it. So he's not 100%, and he probably will never be 100%. He said he's ready for a big workload, but he's still sore. Basically, here's the thing. He has a chondral injury. It's not going to get better. He's just going to have to play through it, but it can limit him because as he gets more reps, as the season wears on, as he uses it more and stresses it more, it can get more swollen. It can get more stiff. It can get more painful. He may lose practice time, probably won't have the endurance in the game, won't be able to take on as many snaps and rushes as he would like, Um, may have to miss some games later on in the year if he really flares it up. I'm sure they'll inject him and try to decrease that. And also, if you have him in dynasty, will decrease his longevity in this league. So this is going to be a permanent issue for him. Yeah, and and I think the thing that I haven't – uh, heard much about this week is the fact that he was getting some uh, carries and so was McKinnon and neither one of them were performing at the level that Dalvin Cook was. It's an improved offensive line, but it's not a great offensive line. And I really feel like the, the Cook injury is not only a downgrade to the whole offense, including Diggs and Thielen, who I'm, bo- I'm very uh, positive on normally, uh, but I, I just don't know that either Murray or McKinnon is going to be someone you can count on from week to week. And and your injury talk is making me feel that all the more. Yeah, well, as the guy who picked up McKinnon in three out of four leagues, I'm kind of hoping <laughs> at least he can you know have a good floor from the passing volume. Well, and and he very well might. It it really how much uh, how much of your uh, budget did you spend on him? Five or six percent, not too much. Uh, that, that's he was a, cheap. That's a no-brainer. He could end up. I mean, he has underperformed consistently in this league. Um, he's a spark freak, but you know, at a certain point, guys are what they are. But with volume being key, you know, I think five, six percent to pick. I picked him up in one league too. I, I, I don't. I think I spent on Murray in one league that I just desperately needed somebody. Um, uh, it's uh, it's a league that I actually didn't plan on being in. It's a long story. Uh, I drafted it thinking it was a best ball league on FFPC. It turned into uh, it turned out to be a season long, and all of a sudden the draft ended after 20 rounds, and I'm like, oh man. Uh, but um, that that's gonna wrap it up for my segment with the doc. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter, Doc. And uh, as always, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I'm at, at Jeff Budoff, J-E-F-F, season boy, U-D-O-F-F. And uh, thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Yep. And if you anyone else wants to take uh, advantage of the doctor's services, 
Um, he is about as big of a fantasy freak as any of us, and uh, he, he really uh, he really gets it. Uh, thanks again, Doc. Thank you. Can you hear me now? All right, so this is really good. I can't tell if I'm having a problem or if it was Coach. Let's see. Uh, boy. All right, let's uh, – he's going to call back in. Uh, let's see. Can you hear me now? God. Hey. Yeah. Can you hear Hold me? Hold on a second. I don't know what the deal was, but that's the problem with live radio, I guess. Uh, input, internal microphone, output. Can, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> how, how about uh, now? No, I, I could hear uh, I could hear your your little session with Doc. So I mean, I could definitely hear you when I was on hold, but not really sure what happened there. Um, what's going on, buddy? Um. Can you hear what what I'm talking now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you right now, man. All right, but it's coming Action through my computer. I'm trying to get it to go. Hold on a sec. So, um, I assume people can hear us right now. So I'm going to yeah, talk while, it, it, it's, while it's been real good. Can thing. you hear me? <laughs> Can yeah, you hear me? I can hear you. I can All right. Hear you. I just Finally. don't want to. I don't want to deprave the people of of noise. <laughs> no, and I <laughs> appreciate it. The, That's, uh, we yeah. moved to Friday night, and everything goes to hell. All right. Well, we're going to just quickly cover your thoughts on Cam Newton. It seems like every week in the NFL, there's there's something for everyone to get upset about, and this week it was Cam Newton and his insensitive comments. Well, I mean, I, I just think that uh, it's crazy. It's like you said, it's it's like every week there's a new outrage. And, 
it's it's just what the world we live in now, man. It, people are looking for the next big thing to be outraged over. And I saw a very interesting tweet uh, as a result of the Cam Newton thing. And it said, <clears throat> are we really holding Cam Newton at a higher standard than the president of the United States? So, like, basically, you know, we know what that means. Uh, the point is, is that yeah, I, I just he, think that he didn't he, he didn't grab her by the pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, now, my point is, is now I, I I really I saw the clip. I don't think Cam really meant it in a in a in an awful way. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a he's a dipshit for saying what he said, but like. At the same time, really, like, it's not, not a big deal. He looked like he was kind of being flirtatious or, like, goofy a little bit. Um, but I don't know. The, the point is, is that I, I just – if, if he didn't come out and apologize and just wait it, like, two days, let it blow over, wouldn't have been a big deal. No, it, people are going to forget about it because, as you opened up by saying, it's going to be the next – thing next week or two days from now or whatever something's going to happen something else is going to go on and people are going to move on they're not even going to think about it anymore it's only a big deal because people make it a big deal and don't get me wrong like i don't i don't think women should be disrespected that's like not at all what i'm saying i'm just saying like you know be it's football let's be a little bit lighthearted and like not for nothing but it is different it's not something that is it is weird it's not you know, it's not. Fu- I mean, what do he say? It was funny. I guess it's not funny. I mean, I'm not laughing at her. I, I take her seriously. Like there, there are great football analysts. That that's not, that's not at all what. I mean, I would be saying if I was saying it's funny, but it's different. To, I mean, he's used to hearing dudes in in his face saying, "Well, what do you think about this?" And he's just recognizing the fact that, hey, like you know, check this out. Like this is awesome. Good. Re- maybe that's well, maybe that's how one- I meant it. My one question was, and I didn't hear the whole thing. And you know, look, I get the, the I get the angst about him. You know, women have worked really hard to get where they are, and just like any other prejudice, you don't want to minimize it. But I just wondered, was his comment because she was a woman? Or was his comment because he thinks all reporters are idiots? In other words, well, I, I, that was, I, and, and I don't know the answer. And but the point is that you know I did get a vibe like, okay, here's my chance to you know make a name for myself, and you know she certainly. It's hard to put into words because you don't want to be insensitive to her. And again, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. But I'll just say that as a society, that gotcha moment. And, you know, I saw a funny tweet by someone who said, okay, he apologized now. Can we go back to to our regularly scheduled program? And I, I think he should have apologized if he offended her. But I don't know. I, I think like we can well, we can be a little too point, Like, yeah, that's my point. And I just think that anymore those apologies they mean nothing. People are doing what they want and saying what they want. And there anymore as a society, what we're doing as 
we're, we're, we're doing what we feel like and we're asking for forgiveness instead of just in asking for permission. You know what I mean? So like basically you're doing whatever the hell you feel like, and then you're not even having any accountability because all you can do is just say, you're sorry. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, the other thing is that Cam Newton think, is – Thank you for your speak. The, the difference between Cam Newton and Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson is a corporate is a corporate marvel. He's somebody who could stand up for his franchise and, and, and be proud, but you don't even know what Cam, Cam's going to say, you know, and that's the difference. Don't be a goofball. You're, you're, you're talented out the wazoo, but, you know, man, protect your money. Don't be a dummy. Don't give yourself a reason to have to apologize for something that's not even that big a deal. Yeah, but, <laughs> but my other – my other point on this was, you know, Cam Newton said something stupid. What a surprise, right? Like if Russell Wilson said something like that, I would understand it as um, a shock, you know, and it would be like, oh, what the fuck was Russell Wilson thinking? Um, yeah, but, yeah, you sure. know, but, but Cam, you, I, you know, look – just because you're good at football doesn't mean that you're not passive aggressive or that, you know, you're, you're a good guy. I mean, we found out everything we needed to know about Cam Newton when he walked off the stage, when he was asked a question by a reporter at the Super Bowl. So again, it brings me back to the question. I just wonder, and I don't know the answer, but I wonder how much of it was sexism and how much of it was I just don't like reporters and don't think they're very smart. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be perfectly honest with you, though, dude, I, I, I me personally, I like I saw an eight second clip of him giggling and him saying it's funny that a woman is asking me about routes. And that's all I took it for. And, oh, and he did I won't say a woman. First, I, yeah, or, or routes, something like that. I, I don't does have routes a have a, a, I'm not a. Does routes I'm not have a human. some special sexual innuendo meaning that no, I don't know man, about? No, and that, that's the point. Uh, all I'm saying is that you, you can't take that eight seconds and just splice it and analyze it to make it mean something. It was just it, – it basically, it's it, – okay, to take that eight seconds and judge him on who he is and the person that he is and whatever, blah, 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 that is no different than seeing a gif or a gif or whatever you want to call it uh, of a running back having a great play and you say, you know what, that is the best running back of all time because you saw him play that Leonard Fournette thing. Remember last year when he was running and he plowed somebody through and he was in a tombstone? Um, well, that's my point. You can't judge somebody just on seconds of, of film. You need to, you need to be able to, uh, you know, get the, get the, get the entire picture. But yeah, beyond uh, that, honestly, to, to me, I don't even care. <laughs> that's that's my whole point. It's eight seconds. I kind of breezed over it on Twitter, and I I didn't get uppity. I I kind of was just like, oh man, why why would you say that? Like, as as a millionaire, I wouldn't say I wouldn't dream of saying something like that. That that's the reason I think about it. I'm like, what the what what what, what kind of asshole are you? Why would you say something like that? I mean, you're just gonna piss people off, and you know now you got sponsors talking about walking off and. It's just so ridiculous, and you know now your money's going to get affected just because you 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 said something silly, he and maybe he didn't even mean it in a bad way. He didn't even mean it in a bad way, probably. But it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I but, I, I I agree, and I I hate to cut this short, but um, our 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 current event segment is is scheduled for ten minutes, <laughs> and we're running up on it. But uh, if so he good. did say, hey. if he did, if it was clear that it was a sexist comment then obviously that is something that 
you know, he shouldn't have done. And I understand her outrage a lot better. And, you know, I do think it doesn't change the thing in the society about the gotcha moment, but it's not the right time to point it out. So, Coach, thanks for taking me through this, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, buddy, I got one question. I, I know I know we're only supposed to go t- uh, 10 minutes, but I just got one question. It, if, I, if, if you could say what your, your one favorite stack in DFS this week, who is it? I, I, already, I already know mine, so I, I was just curious. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, I want to put I'm you gonna on the say, spot. I'm going to say, uh, I'm gonna say Hoyer and Garcon. Hoyer and Garcon. Okay. Oh, that's fun. I didn't even think about that. Is it because of the, uh, it, it's, it's inexpensive? It's because and you, you kinda... didn't think of it. Well, I like it because no, I'm, can, I'm serious. In other words, Garcon is Hoyer is so cheap. Garcon is a guy who's getting a ton of targets, but he's been matched up against some really tough matchups. Now he's going on the turf back home in a revenge narrative uh, to Indy in a, against a beatable defense. I, I just think that, and, and you're going to you know get what? it pr- pretty low. That game kind of has. Kind of has potential shootout. It's got it's got yeah, shootout. I, I like that, that game, game a lot. Uh, okay, so I have mine, and I I know uh, we're going over our time, so I'll just spit it out. No, I like throw Dak. It out I like and Dak. Then we'll let you go. I like Dak and Dez. I like Dak and Dez this week. Um, you know, Dez has been very underrated by the uh, fantasy community, but I think uh, you you've been hearing the uh, the echo, or whatever, of him finally being through the gauntlet of the cornerbacks that he's been facing. So they have a favorable matchup this week with Green Bay. Well, not such a favorable matchup, but it's going to be a shootout. So you got one of those games. But I think Dak is going to light it up, and Dez is is his guy. Uh, Not so much Witten. Um, So what do you say, before I cut out, what do you think about us maybe talking some football next week? Sure. You dig it? Send me a note on what you want to talk about. <laughs> you got it, buddy. I'll see you All next right. week. Catch me on uh, Twitter right. at, at, at uh, Coach. Okie doke. All right, Coach. Absolutely. you very much for your contribution and that means it's time for our college segment by moving the show to friday obviously we've changed the dynamic of this segment but one thing that hasn't changed is the fact that i am really really glad that lj cheney is the guy doing this segment for me you can find him on twitter at pacific scouting lj welcome back to the show Thanks for having me, Todd. Yes, like the Pacific Ocean, Pacific Scouting. How's it going? It, it's going well, um, other than the fact that uh, he couldn't hear me and I wasn't sure I was on the air for five minutes. <laughs> That's terrific. That that happened. So before we get started, I have a question for you. Yes. So I'm sitting here this this Monday in my main home league. My quarterback is Marcus Mariota. I'm not sure – if he's going to go or not. My options on the waiver wire, the top five guys are Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCallan, Joe Flacco, 
EJ Manuel. Who who are you rolling with in that scenario? Are you you looking between Coyier or Brissett? Is that what what are you thinking? What's the uh what what you know, how's the rest of your team? How good is your opponent? It's you don't have to give me all the players, right? but in general, uh, I guess what I'm trying to to ascertain is, do you need someone to that that can blow up, or are you just looking I, for I, someone I, to be solid? I need a solid, just a solid outing. I mean, I got Odell, I got Carlos Hyde, had Doug Martin going last night, have Devontae Parker, and you know, so I, I'm sitting pretty fine. I just I need a I need a high and a high floor. It's high. It's uh. It's Brissett, Hoyer, McCowan, Flacco, or Manuel. I'm thinking between Brissett or Hoyer. I just cannot decide which one because, you know, the the yeah, pass rush for San Francisco has come along pretty fine. So, because it's a home game and Brissett gives you a little bit more with his legs, that's why I asked the question. If I was trying to win a GPP, it would be Hoyer. Um, if it was on DraftKings where Hoyer is a lot cheaper, I'd go Hoyer. But for a league where you're just trying to get 10 to 12 points, maybe 15, I, I do like Hilton a lot this week, and I would go with Brissett. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's I'm going to be fighting this one up until the, the last minute. So, but yeah, so uh, we, we, we're going to preview some games today. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the number one game you're looking at is Oklahoma versus Iowa State. Yes, and, and the, the reason I look at this one, I mean, it's more so for the talent on both sides because Oklahoma's a freaking 31-point favorite. And uh, Iowa State's quarterback, Jacob Park, it just came uh, – it, it was just news to me just about – five minutes ago that he's taken a leave of absence from his team. I mean, I knew this coming in, but I, I, I just got word that it's for, it might be for rehab. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're Iowa state's missing their, their quarterback. He's been pretty bad this year anyways, but uh, so they're going to have a redshirt freshman, Zeb Nolan step in or the, their starting linebacker, their middle linebacker, Joel, Joel Lanning. He uh, converted from quarterback this off season, the linebacker, he might get some run, but, uh, it's sort of looking like a shit show, but the prospects in this game, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because Baker Mayfield, you know, he is Johnny Manziel 2.0. He's got the arm talent, the accuracy to go along with him. He's got some weapons around him. You know, there's there's a true freshman, C.D. Lamb, who, you know, he's a big-time playmaker. He's, he's a guy that can get downfield. He can pick up yards after the catch. He, he can get strong. He's one that I like, and and my tight end one is Mark Andrews, who plays for Baker Mayfield, uh, and he's just a dynamic player. You know, he's as close as you're going to get to like a Travis Kelsey in terms of his ability to win after the catch. And uh, they have a new guy coming on pretty strong in Trey Sermon. He's a true freshman coming into this year. We did our Debbie watch, and he's a guy that I was pretty high on. I was high on coming into this year. Grabbed him in a bunch of Debbie leagues, and and he's just, I mean, he's a guy that just has great wiggle for his size you know he's a he's a boulder sitting you know in the 215 range but he he looks a lot bigger he's powerful runner very very shifty and uh he can catch the ball out of the backfield so you know I, I just I like the matchups in this and on the Iowa State side they have a stud running back named David Montgomery who he's sort of fine under the radar and uh he's a guy that just the character that goes along with everything 
in the sport, his work ethic, everything that goes along with it. He's uh, very powerful. He At one point, he was the most elusive back in the country by a wide margin per PFF. And uh, he, since then, he's sort of, you know, got caught caught up too. But uh, he's a guy that just he, – he's really dynamic out of the backfield. And uh, Hakeem Butler, big, big target for uh, Iowa State. And then Alan Lazard's a guy that's sort of on the downside who, who's uh, – at one point, people were trying to call him the next Mike Evans. I, I I wasn't quite there with him, but they got some towers on the outside, and that that's why I wanted to highlight. But this by the next Mike uh, Evans, you mean the guy who can catch the ball, but then he just falls down like a tree. Averages point one yards after catch. <laughs> point one yak. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but also be I wanted to squeeze this in here for for the listeners. We're currently in the middle of Memphis versus Connecticut. And there is a show being put on by a receiver who is completely flying under the radar, and that's Anthony Miller. And he's a guy, you know, I'll just go over, you know, some of what I what I wrote about him in the Debbie watch that we dropped in June for people and his strength. So, you know, he, he's very athletic. He's got the speed to be a deep threat, climbs the ladder, attacks the football, very elusive. His hands, he, he never – lets the ball into his body. He's always hand catching it. And, and he's a guy that can reach low, high behind him, you know, lay out one handed catches, whatever it is, he makes the adjustments and he's just, he's, he's a stud. All right. He, he's going to be a little old as he's a, he's a redshirt senior this year. He's 23 years old, which is sort of, you know, in the dynasty community, that's sort of a knock. But the reason I bring him up is because he is popping off. He's got 15 receptions. 224 yards and four touchdowns against Connecticut in their game right now. So he's, he's popping off. He's the guy. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna be on the ride. Sort of like, I'm not sure if you're aware of Carlos Henderson last year who oh, was yeah. doing similar things. Yeah, yeah. So he's a guy that, that was on my radar well before, you know, I'm not trying to pat him on back here, but he's one that was on my radar well before anybody else's in last spring. And then he <laughs> blew up. Yeah, before, before, before Matt the Matt Harmon bump. <laughs> no, we're talking. We're talking like we're talking. I'm kidding, of course. Spring. Matt's very <laughs> open that he doesn't study until a certain point in the draft process, and that's what makes what you do so unique. That you're you're studying these guys even earlier. I'm not saying he isn't. I don't know his process that well. Yeah. Um, but but. Uh, you know, time is going to be a little crunch this week. A couple segments ran a little long. I, I definitely know that you uh, hit us with one more game that you're really interested in, and then we'll talk the, you know, and, and see where we're at after that. All right. So, actually, I mean, I got, you know, the next game. I'll just put go over the next game, and this is. Yeah, we've got uh, like five you... more minutes. we got like five more okay, minutes, yeah. so well, fill it any way you want. Um, I'm just trying to uh, give you the heads up. You're, you're trying to make up for coaches screw up. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it, it, part of it All was right, me. So, so TCU versus West Virginia, and actually TCU is a 13-point favorite. And, and I bring this one up because of Will Greer, who is the West Virginia quarterback. He used to be at Florida, got popped for PEDs after leading him to a 6-0 and season. Transferred to West Virginia, sat out last year, and he comes in and he's just—he's a dynamic playmaker. He's a—he's another dual threat guy that can run all over the place, very accurate, gets the ball down the field, 
And he's, his arm talent is, you know, pretty spectacular versus what it was um, in his previous outings, his previous years, because I wasn't too aware of it. But this year he showed a lot more. And, you know, so he's thrown 13 touchdowns this season, and seven of them are to David Sills, who is the junior wide receiver for them. He's, you know, he's, I guess you could call him a bigger body receiver, 6'3", 200 pounds. And they got Gary Jennings, who leads them in receiving with 438 yards. These are two receivers who, you know, they have a chance, um, not too high on them. But the one I'm highest on is probably going to be Will Greer, even though he's undersized. But he has a chance to make the a jump to the next level. And I bring this up because this is a situation where, you know, TCU will really count on their secondary to slow down West Virginia and rely on their running backs, man. They have a huge stable of running backs in Darius Anderson, Kyle Hicks, and Siwa Olanilua, who is – he's just a freak. He's uh, – there is rumblings around Kalen Balazs. This is the second coming of Kalen Balazs. But I bring this up, two Big 12 games, because, you know, this is one where TCU needs to win because I, I think for that conference, there's nothing better than TCU and Oklahoma both being undefeated for their matchup that takes place in Oklahoma on November 11th. And this is just – these are two huge games. Oklahoma and TCU both need to squeak out some wins here just because, you know, it would be it'll be good for that conference, for them to meet undefeated and for them to get a shot at, you know, one of them going into the college football playoff. So, you know, those are two very interesting games. The other ones I have down here are Alabama versus Texas A&M. That's just a prospect thing, you know, to, to watch certain prospects because I think Bama's going to blow out call Texas call Alabama the Crimson Tide. The Crimson Tide, Bama. I just I call, call Bama. I call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues. I can't sing. Sorry, I interrupted have you. you. Go have ahead. you seen the, the, one of the greatest commercials on ESPN of all time was the Roll Tide commercial. I, it aired probably about six, seven years ago. It, it was, I mean, I'm not sure if you have any recollection of it, but uh, there was a hilarious commercial. Anyways, uh, you know, so Bama, they – the reason I really want to tune in this game is for a younger prospect in Jamon Osborne, who is a true freshman for Texas A&M. He's six three, two seventeen, and and I that's that's who I'm going to key in on this game. I know Alabama's got all the talent in the world. They got Jalen Hurts. They got a stable of running backs, but I want to see Jamon Osborne against this Alabama secondary. Regardless of the production, Kellen Mond, their true freshman quarterback, is going to have a hell of a time getting him the ball. But I just want to see. On the outside, if Osborne is winning his matchups, you know, if he's able to create separation, win off the line of scrimmage, you know, use his hands well, all that good stuff, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to regardless of the box score. So, you know, that that's those are some of the games that I, I'll be paying attention to tomorrow. Awesome. And uh, give us one name tomorrow that we haven't heard of but that we might after tomorrow. Ah, shit. Let's see here. Let me pull up the <laughs> schedule really quick. <laughs> no, I think I think we're in a situation here where, oh, God. It's kind of like a bold call, but and putting you on the spot where you don't even get a chance to think about it. So it's okay. Most of the people that you could, you could throw out some name that no okay, one knows. So and... I'll, I'll pick one close to home that, that listeners might not be too – aware of and uh i'm gonna go with isaiah johnson mack who is a wide receiver for washington state uh they're playing Wait, what's Oregon. his name 
Isaiah Johnson Mack. Wait, he has two last names? Two last names. Couldn't make up his mind? He probably, they probably don't know who his pops is. Ooh, good comeback. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just, I'm totally joking. That's, that's, that's of course. Uh, no, that's he, so was a, I. <laughs> he, he's a big body dude. Um, I've been waiting for him to pop off. He's had his moments for WSU, and, you know, he's a 6'3", 216-pound sophomore, uh, just a wrecking ball when he has the ball in his hands, and he has the ability to really climb the ladder, go up and get the ball, very physical, and I'm, I've been waiting for him to pop. This is a game where nationally televised on, I want to say, FS1, where they're playing Oregon, you know, big-time game. WSU is 5-0. and I think Isaiah Johnson-Mack is a guy who might – be in the limelight tomorrow off a couple big catches, maybe a nice touchdown catch or whatever it is, but his, his size and his, his physicality is really going to catch the eye of some people. So I'll go with Isaiah Johnson-Mack, the wide receiver from WSU. I will remember him, if nothing else, because of, you know, he has two last names. And um, LJ, as always, an amazing job. Uh, thank you for uh, continuing to bring it every week. Um, tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter again, LJ. Yes, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Pacific Scouting. Check out the website, which is DynastyFootballFactory.com. And if you want any more, you know, some extra college football talk, some Debbie talk and Dynasty talk, you can check out the podcast, which is at Debbie Watch. And, you know, we cover a ton of college football talk airs every Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And, yeah, like always, man, I, I enjoy this segment, jumping on here with you every week. So thanks a lot, Todd. My pleasure. That was LJ, everyone. Um, give him a follow on Twitter. And uh, it's now time for the numbers game. get into the numbers behind the game with our friend Matt Wispy. You can find him on Twitter at Wispy the Kid. Matt, you've had a rough day. I mean, it was just a little bit of a hectic day. I got called out of work, but, you know, anything to help the family out. Now, wait, I, I got to get the story right. So you got out of work, you got called out of work so you could go drinking, right? Well, that was the later part. Uh, I got oh, called oh, out of wait, work what, so what? I could got called out of work because uh, my sister had to run to the hospital, but uh, and I had to watch her kids. But after that, I went to a wine tasting. <laughs> well, I, I'm guessing then your sister all's well that ends well. All is well. That's good. Um, just so everyone's not worried, it, she was pregnant and they just watched her for a little while, getting real close to the end, I guess. On that. Yeah. All right, uh, so, next month. Uh, yeah. so uh, this week, why don't you uh, highlight what you uh, want to go over this week? So this week I decided I was going to highlight uh, Dave Cabin's uh, Gillespie Projections article. And he actually does this article uh, two times a week. He does an early projections, and he does a uh, late in the week he updates it. Um, and just so the listeners know, I'll kind of do a, an overview of what the Gillespie tool is. Um, it's the Game Level Similarity Projections app, and it's, it's a player situation agnostic 
tool that basically looks back at how they've done over the past 16 games and then we'll find similar matchups, um, similar players, see how they produced against stat or defenses that produced similar stat lines and games that had similar Vegas totals. So what that will end up doing is it'll provide three outcomes. It'll provide a low projection, which is the equivalent to the 25th percentile, um, a median projection, which is about the 50th percentile, and a high projection, which is a 75th percentile matchup. And when you do that, it kind of gives you an idea of a reasonable projection based on players who were in similar situations as um, the player you're typing in. And that's just if you leave it the 16 games is if you just leave it as default, but you can update it for removing certain games, removing uh, weeks if they were um, anomalies. And if there was a reason to take them out, you can take them out of your sample size. Gotcha. So um, obviously you looked at it for this week. Uh, what, what came up interesting at the quarterback position? So when you look at the median projection, so if when you're using Gillespie tool, the median is probably where you want to look at is your kind of your baseline projection. And then you, when you're using high, you're kind of looking at it as kind of their ceiling. And so the median projection, the uh, highest person, and I have this wrong in my app, is uh, it actually was Marcus Mariota, but obviously Mariota was questionable going into the cell. That's why it was off. Um, it's actually Deshaun Watson going up against Kansas City. And Deshaun Watson was uh, very highly seen going into week four as well and obviously produced then with a, I believe it was a 38-point per, per, uh, performance. I, the line's catching up to me. Um, but so I found that interesting. In that I, I want you to just list. keep saying numbers until you really just like pass out or something. Oh, it'll it'll probably happen. Um, so he actually finished with a 21-point projection using the median output. And then when you actually up it on the high, so looking at his potential ceiling, the people that are right around there with him are uh, it's Deshaun Watson again. It still has Mariota because, as I said, it is agnostic of player situations, so it doesn't factor in current injuries. Um, Aaron Rodgers, it has at a 24, so almost four points lower than Watson. And then Russell Wilson, Carson Palmer, and Matthew Stafford are all in that same range as well. So what it's pointing to is that um, in similar situations, quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson have actually still performed very well. And while he may not be a player that you feel is confident just rolling out, he's a guy that his ceiling might be as high as anybody on the week. And from what uh, I saw a couple of stats about this, this or a couple of stats this week, on Twitter, I think it was Scott Barrett who may have thrown this out there about how move, uh, running quarterbacks actually traditionally will do well against defenses that are playing man coverage because they'll be able to find a little bit of extra time to run and pick up yards with their or pick up yards well, with their feet. And yeah, it, it it comes down to the fact when you're playing man, you're looking at the receiver. When you're mm -hmm. playing zone. You're looking at your zone, which also section, gives you yeah. a good view of the quarterback when he takes off. A lot of times your back's turned to the quarterback when you're playing man. Yeah, so it's uh, so if you're looking for a quarterback that he'll probably end up being pretty high owned, but 
if you're looking for a quarterback that has a pretty high ceiling that could be weak winning, uh, Deshaun Watson might be that guy. Um, and then, so we'll, I guess we can, if you want, move on to the running back position. Well, I, um, I do want to say that, uh, that Matt Stafford is on the high end, and he's a guy no one has talked about this week who's in a home matchup. Um, talk about your sneaky GPP plays. Yeah, I mean, I think Carolina just threw a lot of people off the scent last week, and I'm not convinced whether or not Carolina's good yet. Um, I think a lot of people are just thrown off by the fact that they they beat the Patriots. So it, if I'm looking at that matchup at home uh, against Carolina, Matt Stafford's a guy. I actually in our uh, um, fan in our DraftKings Play of the Week, Matthew Stafford was my quarterback. He had one of the highest ceiling plays of any of the quarterbacks available. And Carolina lets up a higher plus minus against uh, opposing quarterbacks. So I, and when it comes for this week, if he's a low ownership guy, which I would expect that he will be, he's a guy I'd be looking at as well. Yep. Um, let's move on to running back where Kareem Hunt is both your median and your high leader. Um, how much is and, this skewed by small sample size since Hunt has only played a few games? I mean, it it is it is affected by sample size because he scored at such a high rate, um, and it, I mean his individual his weekly matchups have just produced high output after high output. It's hard to find a an easy comparison to him that isn't necessarily just a touchdown guy. So I would say that because of the fact that he is such a small sample size, and not only is he a small sample size, he's producing in a way that is scoring at high rates every single week. Um, it's hard to necessarily find guys that are – you're not going to find, like, a Matt Forte career. You're not going to find a these normal running backs that are – getting a hundred yards and then we'll end up with eight touchdowns because his pace is just absurd at the moment. So I, I think what's worth noting in here is that because he is playing a Houston defense, that's pretty well respected. That's probably actually bringing him down into a, a normal realm of scoring. And while he is the highest median score, he would have been tied with Dalvin cook, but there's probably the same logic, but obviously with Dalvin cook being injured, he's not included in this. Um, but it is, I think you're right. I think that's a big part of it is that because he does have such a skewed high sample size, uh, that's probably knocking him up. All right. Yeah. The other two uh, running backs are Le'Veon Bell and Leonard Fournette. And again, Fournette, another rookie. So let's look at yeah. Bell. So with Bell, you've got a matchup against Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's run defense has been – What's the nice way to say awful? The worst in the league. I'm going to stick with it. It's really bad. So if you're looking for a matchup where, I mean, he already kind of got has gotten it figured out, but if you're looking for the traditional Bell's going to win me a week type performance, he's a guy that, I mean, I don't care what his price is in a, in a tournament. Uh, if it's a cash game, I, I don't think I can fade Bell. Against this defense, 
Um, with the opportunity he should be seeing based on positive game script, Bell's a guy that should be in every cash lineup. He kind of feels like the free space to me. I, I think I would actually take him over Kareem Hunt myself. All right, uh, and then Fournette, I mean, yeah. Fournette, let's Fournette. move on a wide receiver or we'll never get through everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. No worries. It's not no worries at all. Um, Golden Tate. So there's your stack with Matt Stafford. He's the leader at median and high. You got Des Bryant, Tate, Cooks, and Baldwin. So uh, Baldwin's injured, so let's take him out a little bit. Uh, Cooks already played. So let's focus on Golden Tate and Des. So with Des Bryant, the biggest factor that you have to take in consideration is that the Gillespie tool does take in um, Vegas point totals. And the two highest game totals for the week, um, one of them was this game, Dallas-Green Bay, and the other one was New England-Tampa Bay. So when, you're, when it's trying to figure out these implied points and how to attribute them around the team – it, it looks for the highest scoring players. And Des Bryant, his, over his uh, career, has a relatively high touchdown rate. I think most people would – that's not going to shock anyone. And because of that, he does project as a pretty high ceiling guy because there is the op- going to be an opportunity that in order to keep up, Dallas is going to have to score. And if they're going to have to score, they may have to throw the ball more. Um, as as for Golden Tate, I, I think I said it was Stafford. Carolina, it, it, they're going to let up points, and they let up points through the air. Golden Tate is the one receiver that seems semi-reliable on that team. And, I mean, he seems to have the best floor of anyone on the week, especially in all PPR formats. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I like Tate. And uh, this has been pretty enlightening. Uh, let's move on to tight end where uh, Charles Clay, Delaney Walker I, I mean, and Clay for high and uh, Gronk, which, you know, obviously didn't play last yeah, he, night. Yeah. And uh, Allen yeah, got he, a zero. He got a whopping, I'm pretty sure he got zero targets too, which was really disappointing because in my home league, I decided – to panic late swap him in because I was in a matchup that I was not going to win. And yeah, didn't work out. Nope. Nope. I not stuck at all. him in a league too. So uh, misery loves company. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I mean, Charles Clay has been the leading receiver on that team. Uh, Cincinnati's defense has not been good for the most part of this year, even though Cincinnati, they, and I think what also helps him in this case is that, Cincinnati is favored in this game, so the um, tool is projecting a slightly more um, pass-heavy game script, and that favors the players getting targets, and that's going to be clay. So that's kind of what's pushing him up in the median and the high because his volume might just be unmatched among all tight ends. Yeah, I own a ton of clay in best ball. Uh, I, I thought, you know, for all the reasons he's ended up being good, that he was a good, uh, you know, and he was a free, you talk about a freed square, um, you know, free. getting him in like the 18th round in most drafts. Um, Delaney Walker is pretty sensitive, I would think, to 
Marcus Mariota playing. Um, and then I, he, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I would agree with that, actually. I think that Delaney Walker is, uh, at least in DFS formats or in DFS, uh, particularly cash games, I'm probably fading him altogether if Mariota does sit. Um, uh, in season long, you probably don't have a choice. He, he probably is just a guy you have to roll out there and keep your fingers crossed that somebody just leans on a tight end, which it, it could be a day for Delaney Walker to do well in that situation. But for the sake of, like, if I'm looking to win a cash match up in uh, DFS, I'm probably fading Walker if we do get news that Marriott is either going to be a game time decision or may just completely sit. Gotcha. Uh, and then you wanted to talk about Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And so this is, this has gotten a little bit less interesting because there is starting to be word that, uh, uh, Ty Montgomery is going to miss a pretty limited amount of time if he even does miss this week. Sounds like that guy just wants to play football, which much respect to him for wanting to do so. Um, but if he does miss time and one of these running backs starts to get a low, get the full workload, I actually am in Team Aaron Jones on this group. Um, I pulled up their box score scout, compared them against each other just for um, final year production and some of their athletic measurables that we found to be um, pretty telling. And for 40, three-cone um, yards per carry, rushing yards per game, touchdowns per game, and receptions per game, um, he actually beats Jamal Williams across the board. Part of, that, I mean, part of the final year production you have to factor in that he's playing against a slightly weaker schedule than BYU. But it is worth noting that um, – Aaron Jones was a pretty solid prospect. And when we did our um, – Kevin Kolda has a regression tree model that he uses to kind of project out who is going to be successful when they get to the NFL. And so what he had in his model is that he had that Aaron Jones at his cost was his ninth best running back, scoring with a 12% chance to produce a top, 20, top 24 running back season within his first three years. Might actually, I think it's top 12 running back in his first three years. Um, whereas with Williams, he actually had him all the way down at 15, and he has him at a only a 5% chance of producing. So our model actually looked at um, Jones as a better prospect, even though Williams was drafted a full round ahead of him and about 50 picks ahead of him. Um, and then I was I, I was I, very high on Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I liked his tape. But he has yeah. not looked good um, when I've seen him carry the ball so far this year. He looks slow. Um, just really nothing that is making me think that he's going to be what I was hoping he would be. He's one of those guys that the 40 time is kind of proving right. Um, like Kareem Hunt is a guy that he ran a slow 40, but he's got probably the fat. He, I think he has three weeks in a row where he's had a 20 mile per hour run every single week. So it just is maybe he was bad at running the 40 Jamal Williams. It's kind of seems to be a little bit more telling with him. And it's kind of concerning if you're hoping that he's going to be the guy that jumps out. And even though 
all of the camp report camp reports had him as the backup when they got on the field last week when Aaron Jones finally got the ball is when the running game became effective yeah he definitely looked the better back um you know I know guys like Evan Silva were way more on Aaron Jones than Williams and uh, my Williams shares I'm just glad that he didn't get hurt because that really would have killed uh about 22 shares of Jamal Williams oh, wow. for me. So, um, well, out of 150. So it's not, uh, yeah, yeah, but... it's not, uh, you know, everything is relative. And uh, speaking of relative, it's the, it's time is relatively running out. Uh, any last thoughts that we should consider this week, Matt? Um, actually, I don't have anything right now. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, uh, that's not a problem because, A, I'm getting tired. B, I have to go pick up my uh, wife and daughter from a amusement park as soon as the show closes. So <laughs> I'm going to say thank you, and uh, we will see you next week. Uh, that's Matt Wispy, folks, uh, the numbers game. And uh, we're going to head now to Dominic. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing this Friday? I am fine. Um, who's your number one defense this week? I, that's a chalk play, but I like Pittsburgh this week. They're, you know, number two in sacks for the season right now. You know, they have the number two pass defense. Blake Wardle isn't going to do anything. They should be able to shut down Fournette, plus using Le'Veon Bell, who's going to have a monster game. They should be able to keep the Jaguars off the field for most of the game as well. So I just think Pittsburgh's going to have a – monster game against Jacksonville this week. Who do you have for number two? Uh, I have a couple different ones I like. There's not too many defenses I like this week, but I do like Detroit again. I think, you know, they, again, they're the only team to score double-digit fantasy points every week. I think Carolina's going to have a letdown after the game last week. They're coming off of a high. They're going to have a letdown, plus they're playing on the road again. So I think Detroit's going to be able to bottle up McCaffrey. I think they're going to be able to, you know, they're going to be able to shut down with Slay. They're going to be able to shut down Benjamin. I think Bunches isn't going to do two touchdowns like he had last week. And they're going to be able to contain Newton in the backfield. So I think they're going to be able to shut down the Panthers pretty good this week. Yeah, I mentioned that to the Mauler. Um, You know, I'm going to keep playing the Lions some until they stop scoring 10 points or more every week. Because every week so far, they've done that. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you have to run, go with who's hot until they, you know, get worn out. And then once they get worn out, then you move on to somebody else. And that's especially what you have to do with, you know, these streaming positions like quarterback and tight end and defense. You just, you know, use who's hot. And then when they're not, you find somebody else. Yeah, I when I was researching best ball defenses this year, came across an interesting fact. In two years ago, 54% of the 20-point fantasy weeks were scored by the top six defenses. The, the last year, it was 55% of the top 20 weeks were scored by the top six defenses. So I do think that there's something to be said uh, for playing defenses that are in the top six uh, in scoring so far, especially if they're going to be low-owned for daily fantasy. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But I think in another sense, too, you have to look at who everybody is playing also because, I mean, 
Like right now, I do like Buffalo this week against Cincinnati a little bit, but you check the only real team that they played, you know, is Atlanta, which they were able to hold to 17 points on the road. But other than that, you know, they were playing Carolina, who only got, you know, nine points. They they played the Jets. So, you know, they didn't really play a whole lot of high-powered offenses either. So, I think this early in the season, I think it's a little tough to see who these top six defenses are going to be. Because right now, you know, the Patriots are like the worst defense in the league. But I think by the end of the year, they could be in the top 15, top 10. It's just, you know, right now they're starting off slow. Like, so I there's no doubt about that. Um, next defense you've got on your list is the Jets. Yeah, the Jets defense is, is just a byproduct of playing the Browns. The Browns can't get out of their own way right now. It seems like they don't even, you know, they're taking the Kenny Britt approach where the whole team doesn't care about, you know, what they're doing right now. Britt's not even going to play this week. You know, you have Coleman already on IR. You know, Crowell, who I was high on coming into this year, isn't doing anything, and he may get benched soon. If worse comes to worse, the only person that they have that can even help the offense is Duke Johnson. You know, when you only have one player and he's not even a great player, you know, that's not good things for your offense. So any defense that you can play against them is going to be – should get – you know, have at least a high baseline. May not have the ceiling of a Pittsburgh this week, but they're not going to have the – you know, they're going to have a solid baseline where they can get you seven or eight points. Yep. Uh, anyone else that we should look at? I know they're going west, but I do like the Ravens this week against Oakland, especially with EJ Manuel playing. Uh, Amari Cooper having a down year. He's the 70th ranked wide receiver in scoring right now. Crabtree should be back this week, but he's going to be injured. Lynch isn't doing anything so far. They're probably going to have to rely on him a lot this week, but I don't know if he's going to be able to hold up to it. You know, the offensive line hasn't done anything this year special like they thought they would be. So I think that the, you know, with the Ravens being able to shut down the pass game, they should be able to shut down the running game better with Lynch there. So I think the Ravens could be a sneaky defense this week also, but that's going to be a very low scoring game in my opinion. I agree. And um, I think all your D's are good. And the last D on your list is my favorite, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. The only thing you have to worry about the Eagles is that, they don't know how to cover anybody right now because their whole secondary is injured, but they can stop the run. They they have a great front seven. And I think with as one dimensional as Arizona is right now, that it's going to let them play a lot more nickel back and dime back. They're going to be able to stop the run with only three or four rushers. So they'll be able to sit back in coverage and give the corners and safeties some help and everything. And I know right now uh, Palmer's on course to throw the ball 732 times which would be an NFL record, and he's on pace for over 5,000 yards. But I think if the Eagles can sit back and stop the run with only a three- or four-man rush, that they can stop the pass game and keep everybody in check and keep them out of the end zone. And this, for some reason, you know being in the you know Lehigh area, but the eastern Pennsylvania area will say, even when I was growing up when the Arizona Cardinals were in the NFC East, no matter how good or bad either of these two teams are, they always play low-scoring, tough, close games so it's you know I think it's going to be another one this time all right well as always you did a great job I'm going to throw a bonus question at you this week the one that coach threw at me what's your favorite stack of the week uh a couple favorite stack I like I actually have a couple stacks in there I have 
Dak Prescott and uh, Dak and uh, Des Bryant, which I'm sure everybody and their mother has. Uh, I That's also it. like. It's all Dak. about the D. Yep, I'm sure this one's not really a quarterback stack, but I do like the Pittsburgh defense and Le'Veon Bell as a stack. And I actually, uh, with as bad as Tennessee's secondary is right now, uh, for a low-end stack, I kind of like Parker and Cutler. Yeah, that's an intriguing one. It, I got so many people that I kind of like, but no one that I love. And um, it, it's it's been a really difficult week for me to settle. I'm still not settled on my ownership percentages, but uh, we're getting there. And speaking of getting there, we're going to close it out. Dom, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I love doing the show and can't wait to do it again next week. I, I couldn't be happier to have you on as well. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the first edition of the Friday night version of our Run to Daylight variety show. Um, I'm going to go pick up my kid and my wife. They're about 40 minutes away, which means I get to drive about an hour and a half right now. I'm sure all of you are, are envious of me. Um, I'm going to put up the JM to win and Adam Levitan pod for the drive, get some coffee. But before that, I, I, I like closing the show with the song and I always like mixing in some of the Rocky stuff really gets you pumped up. We're going to go with the first one gonna fly now. Good night, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.